0: On February the 8th, 1496, four ships sailing to America with supplies for Christopher Columbus sank in a storm in the Bay of Cadiz, Spain. Uh, They joined what the experts say is perhaps the world's richest marine archaeological graveyard, Uh, especially in such a small area. Over 300 vessels from, uh, that were Phoenician, Greek, Roman, Viking, and present times have sunk in the bay. And archaeologists uh, especially like this because the wrecks are in pristine condition. Uh, this, uh, the bay is deep, ox- it has uh, deep oxygen free mud and that has engulfed the holes and kept the worms from boring through. And so the ships are actually time capsules offering insights into the ancient construction methods and life for sailors aboard the vessels. Divers also find coins, statues, and other things. And and so if you want to find a lot about the life of the ancient uh, cultures, you find it in that ship graveyard. Well, the Word of God... (laughs) because it spans so many years and is so detailed and careful and under inspiration of Scripture, uh, is a wealth of an understanding of the cultures throughout history. You go all the way back, of course, to creation, but you go to the Tower of Babel, uh, on from the post-flood uh, era, and you uh, have an insight into Uh, the ancient world, really better than any other insights you can have. And the passage we're going to look at today gives us insight into what the believers were dealing with in the Roman Greek world, which is very similar to what we're facing today. It's amazing. And uh, so we are going to find out there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, but we get a real insight here from the Word of God into that situation. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7 as we're looking at the different dangers that face the New Testament church and we're going to look today and uh, another time at the danger about the wrong attitude about marriage. We're going to look at just the first few verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now I want you to note that it starts with a very clear explanation that this discussion is based upon questions that had come to the Apostle Paul from the Corinthian church. I believe several of the uh, topics that are discussed here are questions to the Apostle and so he says that very clearly. So let me just read this passage and then we'll go through it here this evening. Verse 1, now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except to be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. And then he gets into some specific teaching, especially regarding those that were not married or married in difficult circumstances. Now, you've got to understand the culture at that time, you had all kinds of situations that... Uh, came out of a extremely corrupt uh, and wicked culture. V- again, we're heading right to that. I mean, we're in that same decline, everything that they were dealing with. I mean you had you had people living together, you had, all the different types of perversion. Uh, You definitely had the transgender situation. You had polygamy. Today we have polyamory. They call it, it's coming. It's going to be here within a couple of years in America. And so we are really right where the Roman Empire was. And marriage was a unique situation. There were different levels of marriage. I won't go into this in detail, but you had the... uh, the, uh, marriage of slaves, which wasn't really marriage, it's just living together. You had the uh, uh, marriage of, like we have today, which was is not marriage, but you had just people um, foregoing marriage and being together and going in and out of relationships. Uh, you had uh, uh, pr- basically dads almost selling their, their l- girls to husbands to be married. And uh, then you had more of a formal civil ceremony that would occur and uh, there would be uh, something we're more familiar with with marriage, but it was not uncommon to have 10 to 20 marriages. I mean, it was a corrupt, corrupt culture. And if you remember, we looked last time at the last part of chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians and it's a powerful exposition. I was deeply moved as I studied it about the matter of immorality and how uh, when we think of being joined to Christ and being the temple of the Holy Spirit and all that is involved in who he is and who we are and what our salvation really means, immorality is a horrible affront to a holy God and to our Savior, especially for believers to be involved in that. And so right on the heels of that, he says, uh, concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me. And so he is dealing with um, uh, people with all kind of confused ideas. What do they do about their relationships? Um, the, many had come to the idea because they'd gotten saved and they were so sickened by what they were involved in that the physical relationship was unspiritual within uh, marriage. Or, and then uh, some were c- coming to the conclusion that singleness was more spiritual than being married. The Jews felt that Mary's was more spiritual than being single. You had all kinds of things going on in that church. And so they had questions. They were trying to figure out these perplexities and what was God's will. And so in simplicity, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we have this directi- uh, directive here given to us. So just some simple points here tonight. First of all, singleness can be God's will. Now, he says it is good for a man not to touch a woman. In this he is making it very clear that a physical kind of uh, sexual relationship between a man and a woman outside of the sanction of God, it is is not right. And so their concern was definitely uh, a very major concern. But he's going to show that to solve that, uh, was it wasn't that you should be single or necessarily married. You need to be in God's will and understand what uh, the circumstance uh, was and how God was leading. But very clearly, uh, it is important that we understand the uh, the need for purity in the male female relationship. Now you know in our culture we have a lot of jokes about being married, and we got a lot of jokes about being single. And um, so I'll give you a couple of them on the single side. Um, a brief clause in the will of Harriet was, uh, she died as a spinster at age sixty at eighty seven. I don't want anyone to put miss on my tombstone. I haven't missed as much as some people may think. (laughs) And then says Mr. Justice McCarty of the British High Court, himself a bachelor, a bachelor is a man who looks before he leaps and having looked, he does not leap. (laughs) And on and on you could go. Those were the nicer ones uh, that uh, I have seen. And so uh, even in our culture, we have stereotypes, don't we? Unfortunately, people have a very bad stereotype about marriage, and certainly uh, singleness and so forth. And uh, so, we just need to have a good, healthy uh, view of this. And uh, and so, he's trying to deal with a with a wrong um, perspective on both singleness, the matter of celibacy. Uh, all of this he's trying to get it in just the basic biblical perspective. Now verse 2 deals with the fact that uh, God did ordain marriage nevertheless to avoid fornication. In other words the reality that God made us normally to have a physical relationship God made us that way. That's how um, God has made it for the human race to continue on. God's will is for man to multiply and replenish the earth, as he said to Noah. And uh, because of that, obviously, it is within the bounds of marriage. It's God's plan for the human race. Genesis 2.18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make an help meet for him. And... Uh, and uh, right at the very beginning of creation in chapter 1 verse 28, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and so forth. And so it is God's plan. And so to avoid the wrong uh, expression of the way God made us, God's normal will is for marriage, is what he's saying. Now he's not saying get married so you don't a sin. And I think sometimes that's how that is taken. That's not the point here. The point is that proper marriage avoids a lot of immorality. Correct? You remember when marriage was the key thing 70 years ago? You remember when the 60s came and all the free love and all of that and we began to have uh, a breakdown of the expectation of a proper relationship being within marriage, and then people could in those days we called it shacking up and uh and there began to be this living together outside of the bounds of marriage, and so he's dealing with that is that there's going to be this if you do not have a biblical godly uh view of marriage and god's will in your life and 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 Allowing God to lead and work based upon the parameters of Scripture. And so every man should have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. So the normal thing is for there to be marriage. That's how God made us male and female, He made us uh, to, to become one flesh. He made us uh, to be able to uh, multiply and replenish the earth. That's God's normal will. And so, uh, but as we're going to see, and I'll look at this a little bit later, God allows for a singleness. This is going to be the point here, not only of this paragraph, but a little bit later. And uh, the apostle Paul himself in 1 Corinthians 9, we'll get to that a little bit in verse 5. Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles? And as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas, Paul's saying here, I could be married if I wanted to be, but I'm not. And so clearly he had God's will. And so that, uh, and God used him greatly uh, in that situation that he was in. But the point here is that, yes, we must understand people should not be involved in any immorality um, but the way we should look at this is not to avoid the physical relationship but realize that God in his time in this way will lead most into a married relationship and that's what we need to realize that God has given to us and we need to rejoice in that and we need to see that as good, holy, and proper And that's what ought to be the normal perspective on our lives. That's how God created us. And that's what he's saying there in verse uh, uh, 2. And so marriage is also God's plan. And um, I uh, got ahead of myself a little bit. Singles can be vulnerable to immorality. In a wicked culture, those of you that are single, you need to take great precautions Because there are no boundaries today. There used to be great boundaries. Did you know, believe it or not, when I got married, I had to have a marriage certificate license, or a marriage license to be able to go on my honeymoon. That was America. Now, I know that's a long time ago, okay, but uh, that is not the way it is today. And so there are no boundaries. So, where should the boundaries be? In our hearts, in our faith, in the Word of God, and that we need to understand how we're made and have great respect for our need for the Holy Spirit and have great accountability with our our families and with um, even uh, those within our churches to make sure that we are very careful. And that's why God gives church discipline because there needs, just like in a family, there needs to be discipline. There needs to be a protection. When you're part of the covenant of a church family, the matter of immorality needs to be dealt with. And when there's the fear of God, that's a great protection. And we need to thank the Lord for that. But we need to understand it is difficult. And as I've already said, marriage is God's plan to meet this reality. Uh, Proverbs 5:18. Let the, thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. It's in that a whole section dealing with that. And um, Song of Solomon. Uh, those that were saying that the physical relationship is not of God, well, they somehow miss the Song of Solomon and uh, all of that. And and by the way, that whole matter of the physical relationship is God's creation. It is holy. It is beautiful. It is right. Satan has made it dirty and wrong and perverted. Okay? So it is very important for us to understand that that we need to uh, rejoice in how God made us and not have a warped view. No matter what a person's background, many of the people there in Corinth, it seems, were really sick of their past. And that's why they came up with marriage is bad, singleness is bad, uh, physical relationship is bad, all kinds of things, celibacy is what we need. Well, those were all reactions. Instead of going back to God's plan and uh, accepting God's forgiveness and allowing God to do a purifying work in the heart. All right, number three, celibacy is wrong for those who are married. This comes out of a wrong reaction let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise also the wife unto the husband the wife hath not power of her own body but the husband and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body but the wife and so uh, this, there were two reasons why this was a problem in this day number one and I hate to bring it up but you had marriage, but marriage was only for children to have children, and frankly, uh, husbands um, were involved in all kind of other things, and it was that was the major thing for marriage. It's really pathetic, uh, but that can be understood more and more in our culture today. And I don't want to get into it uh, anymore. And uh, and so again, I think these believers were thinking that well. Um, all of this debauchery and things we're involved in, you know, maybe just uh, celibacy for the most part in marriage is what we need. Well, that is not the solution. In fact, that's the opposite of God's will. And so the marriage relationship, and I'm speaking of the f- physical relationship, is God's plan. As Ephesians 5.31 says, two become one. It is the ceiling and, and the, just the glorious reality of those who are covenant together and uh, have left their father and mother. They are one emotionally, they're one spiritually, and they are one physically. And God made it in a wonderful, sacred way. And um, certainly isn't like the man in Coventry, England who called the Citizens Advice Bureau and asked to have his wife traced. It transpired that they had uh, parted three days after their wedding 25 years before and they hadn't Mm. seen each other since. Asked whether he was thinking of a divorce, the man replied, no, no, I was just thinking it would be nice to get together to celebrate our silver wedding anniversary. (laughs) Well, you know, that's a ridiculous uh, uh, illustration there. But, you know, unfortunately, even marriages stay together, but they're not really together. They're not really marriages, and yet they are. Before God, they're a covenant, and um, and so that is not God's plan. Morris says the general rule is that people should be married, and the expressions uh, and the expressions his own wife and her own husband point to monogamy. Paul is agreeing that cel- uh, celibacy is good, but he is also pointing out that temptation abounded. There is so much immorality. The word is plural, pointing to many acts. In the face of each of such temptation, each should be married. That's God's plan, and that the relationship should be uh, there. So, uh, it is uh, it is a wonderful part of the bonding and the oneness and that mystery of that unity. I'm telling you, a husband and wife who are spiritually, emotionally, and physically one, I mean, when, the, when one of them dies, half of them is gone. I mean, they are ripped apart. And some of you dear folks know exactly what I'm talking about. And frankly, you never get over it. My dad said yes after a year, after my mom died. He got adjusted to it, but he said, I don't feel whole <laughs> he said I'm whole in Christ but I am it just was uh, it's, it's just the reality in the way God made us but I'm saying that from a very positive sense here and so that clearly the uh, the fact is that God has commanded and obviously if this was a married seminar I'd get into this in a little more detail uh, but God has commanded that uh, there should be a Uh, just a complete openness in this area between husband and wife and that it is not healthy nor right for there to be abstinence in the matter of the physical relationship. And it's very clear there in the text. And so both husband and wife should respect each other and uh, uh, be very sensitive to uh, the heart of each other in this regard. And so that's very clear. Now, the only time that should not be, verse 5, deprive ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. And so it is important in the matter of marriage that there is a oneness on a regular basis in all areas, communication, spiritually. There's so much that we could counsel. Uh, married couples here in but all of that goes together and this is God's command by the way this is clear scripture is it not remember I said at the beginning of the service God covers every l- little detail well here's a detail and it does make it a little difficult for us going through expository preaching we can't avoid certain sections in a service well I'm not avoiding it, here it is I'm trying to be as careful as I can saying it but it's a command marriage uh, fo- folks that are married keep that in mind this is not an option. This is God's will. And, um, but there are times in which you do need to set apart for prayer and fasting. Um, and, and one time, uh, we have a, several times in Scripture, but you have Exodus 19, where as God was going to reveal himself on Mount Sinai, and for three days there was to be abstinence for the sake of sanctifying themselves to meet with God as a nation. Uh, you have Joel too. that great passage on the uh, Spirit of God being poured out. And there uh, the uh, bridegroom and the groom were commanded uh, to abstain at that point uh, f- for the sake that the emergency was so great that prayer and fasting was needed. And that, of course, uh, is something that is mutually agreed to by the husband and wife For that purpose, but not to be foolish. You see, he was trying to help them not to quote-unquote spiritualize uh, this matter uh, because they were reacting to all of the awful stuff around them. Marriage is holy. They needed to, even though they live in a pagan culture, uh, what God had ordained for marriage is right and that they needed to not allow celibacy to come within the marriage. And so um, that's important. So unity in marriage protects against Satan's attack. And uh, 1 Peter 3, 7 wonderful verse for husbands, Husbands, likewise ye husbands dwell with them, their wives, according to knowledge. You understand, and this could be the same thing said for wives with their husbands. Giving honor unto the wife as under the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. A marriage that is functioning in oneness in every area and the power of God upon it is a powerful unit for prayer and for God to do mighty things. I think one of the reasons we don't have revival today is that husbands and wives are lacking in their relationships. There isn't the communication. There is bitterness in those marriages, and there are not times of unified prayer that that, that agreement causes a throne of God to be reached. It is one of the great units that we are missing in calling down God's power from heaven. And I'm telling you, I have found every prayer that my wife and I pray together, God answers and he answers quickly. There is something about that unified prayer that it is an amazing thing. And so uh, I do want to encourage you to realize that. Uh, But uh, celibacy is not to be within marriage. Is that clear? Okay. It's funny to be preaching on this, but it is there. It is strong. And uh, And there's a lot of reasons for the the issues here, and again, that should be dealt with in another setting. Well, singleness can be a gift from God. But I speak this by permission or an awareness of singleness. He's very aware of singleness because he was single and not of commandment. Now, he's not talking about I would have uh, all men as myself. No, what he's saying is that I am aware of the need about sing- singleness. I'm not commanding everyone to get married. And uh, he was uh, very strong about marriage here, that this is God's plan. This is normally the way these issues are settled. This is how God created us. But he's saying, I'm very aware of the reality about singleness. And, uh, and so uh, understand that singleness can be a gift of God. And so, verse 7: uh, for I would that all men were even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Those that get married and some to be single. Uh, so um, he's saying not everyone has to be married, uh, and if, in, if God does work, there, it is a gift. Now, let me just, first of all, there, there, has, there has to be and there can be great purpose in singleness. Singleness, let me say this strongly, singleness is not for selfish fulfillment. Singleness is not for something that uh, is easier for you at the, your stage in life. Singleness is a call of God specifically to serve him and you need to be single to do it, case closed. We live in a day in which people opt for singleness rather than the responsibility of marriage. Many of them have apron strings tied still to to mom and dad of dependency. And I tell you also, it gives freedom for immorality and all kind of loose living. I'm being rather strong about that. Believe me, singleness is a sacred privilege, but it is a sacred privilege, it is not a selfish choice. So I I trust you understand that. Uh, It's very important that we understand that. Matthew 19, 12, for there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs, some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. The Lord Jesus himself said, sometimes God allows there to be that kind of singleness. And so, um, we need to realize it is a supernaturally empowered gift. And, uh, and believe me, I some of the greatest saints that I have known have been single and served the Lord. Um, Is Bethany or in here April? Yeah. Doyle, what's her first name? Ellen Doyle. And she was single all her life. Is that correct? Ellen Doyle died yesterday or the day before. Great missionary to Cameroon. Single lady that gave her life for the cause of Christ. She died prematurely, I believe, with cancer. And I, I really enjoyed getting to meet her. My aunt had the gift of singleness. And what a blessing she was to so many people. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. At times she wished she could be married, but she knew that God had called her to a unique, a unique ministry, and she ministered to our family. She ministered to our college for a number of years. She ministered in many different ways and so i had the privilege of knowing a saint of the lord who was called to be single the apostle paul was probably married since he was part of the sanhedrin but must have been a widower that's our only guess because clearly he was single based upon verse 7 there i would that be like myself here and um and he to do what he uh, did in the pioneer missions, he uh, was called to be single and he realized he could be married. I read that from chapter 9, but it was a supernaturally empowered gift. Rachel Saint, whose husband was martyred, uh, reaching the Aka Indians uh, of Ecuador, she went for many years, many years during the middle part of her life without companionship. She poured her life and love to the Aka people and found great blessing and fulfillment and of course that entire people group came to know the Lord and Rachel Saint was a big part of it. Do you think she was called to do that? Absolutely. Not all of the ladies there were but she was called to do that. A very, very special, special privilege uh, that uh, she had and um, and so it's a, a very important to understand that um, like for Paul in all that was going on and we'll see that later in this chapter, uh, he said, I, I, you know I wish you could be like myself I and mean, God has gifted me. I'm able to do far more than if I and he says later if I was caring for a wife, and in my case, this was God's will for me. so he's saying' I, 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 the normal thing is marriage, but I'm not saying by commandment that everyone has to be married, but It is a gift. God gives his gift to one, and he gives his gift of his grace to another, one after this manner and another after that. The point is we want to honor God's will in our lives. And uh, now one of the things uh, that we have to, and of course I talked to the college young people about this, we get an idea of when we're supposed to be married, the way we're going to get married, and all these things. And ladies get to about 25, and they are they are hopeless, you know. And, uh, um, no, listen, God has perfect timing, okay? Now, I do think the guys ought to get with the program a little bit more, you know, at times here. And, and they are. They're doing a good job. I'm quite pleased here. But we uh, won't go any further. <laughs> I get inside track, so that's good. Uh, but um, the point is that... Uh, uh, it's God will do it at the right time. We need to believe him. And one of the big points here that I haven't mentioned, uh, we'll get into this. By the way, this uncomfortable uh, preaching is not done yet. I'm just beginning this, okay? So I, I've got to work my way through this entire chapter. It may not be easy to just jump. Or, no, there's a lot of very important things uh, in this. But one of the big points is we're going to see is don't just get married to somebody you should marry. That's why I'm not saying you got to get married now. Don't marry an unsaved Gentile, a Roman. Don't marry someone that you're not confident it's God's will. No, you've got to be in God's will. The point is letting God lead in our lives. And so much can be, will be said about that. And um, and so it's a very important for us to just want to be in God's will. I can't help but think of Romans 12 too. And be not conformed to this world. Don't be in all that of this world's thinking and all these areas, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect what? Will of God. And so God will work. But folks, God wants holy marriages. And if he isn't going to have you be married, he will clearly lead and guide And it will be as blessed as if you were married. Different, but it will be a blessed thing. Don't fear it. God's will is always perfect. It's always good. It's always acceptable. And so he deals with this delicate subject in the matter of let's don't let culture shape us. Let's don't overreact. Let's have a wholesome view. This is God's plan. And let's do that which God would have us to do. And so... uh, Uh, It's as important to be able to navigate this and I do trust married couples will take this passage seriously and singles, I trust that you'll have a very wholesome attitude. Keep yourselves pure and walk with God and and wait for God's will and uh, you can trust Him and He will do things perfectly for you.